Welcome to another episode of the Brudeck Podcast. Uh, as kids around the world are going back to school, mine included, my little two hoodlums, it's extremely quiet around the house. We are also going to school here at the Brudeck Podcast. We're recording live from 18th Annual Hop and Brew School 2022, hosted by our friends over at Yakima Chief Hops here in Yakima, Washington. I'm Toby Tucker, joined by Heather Jarrett and Cheyenne Weissar. Um, we're excited to be here. But before we get started, we have some exciting news. If you haven't heard, we just went live with our new and improved CMG web store last week. We would appreciate everybody's patience while we work through the transition and work out all the bugs, but we're super excited to uh, to be rolling that out. The new features are really focused on improving customer experience and placing orders and managing everybody's account. So head on over and uh, check it out when you get a chance and let your sales rep know uh, know what you think about it. Anyways, for part one today, we are chatting with a couple of presenters at Hop and Brew School today to give you a behind the scenes look at what's going on and what we're learning about here in Yakima. Super happy to be uh, able to carve some some time out from the, the folks here from YCH. Yeah, obviously, you know we've got a unique and strategic partnership. These guys at uh, guys and girls at YCH are like family of ours. Um, so it's great to have them on, and, and they're they're I, yeah, parts of their team are pretty uh, pretty common guests on the show here. So uh, we'll we'll just jump right into it. Uh, we got Pat Jensen, Missy River, and Carl Van Evenhoven. How y'all doing? Great. Thanks, Toby. Good. Thanks yeah, for like all at the same time. Great. <laughs> What's the old saying? Jinx, what do you do? Five, seven, eight. You owe me a Coke. Right? No, it's it. Drink a beer. There you go. Which, yeah, we, we, we are having a good time doing. Um, no, so we, we're learning a lot here. Um, the high five is one of them. You know, Ryan was definitely trying to have us working on our elbow technique and, and high fives. So. just had to do high fives. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah, one of the things we're super excited about is, is we're... And obviously, we listeners won't get a chance to hear this until after the fact. Mm-hmm. But there is a presentation y'all are doing today, specifically around what do you call it, MythBusters? Uh, I don't know. Like, Trademark wise, we can say that, but yeah. No, <laughs> Carl, no one listens to this podcast. It's going to it's all good. Literally tens of people now know. No, so we wanted to pick your brains and talk to you a little bit about the content of that uh, that presentation. And specifically, it really, when we were looking at the lineup last week in preparation for this, is one of those topics we thought would be really good to have you all sit down and chat about. So welcome. I guess let's start with Missy. Tell us what you do and what you do here at YCH, and, and then we'll move on. All right. Thank you. Uh, Missy Raver. I am the Senior Vice President of Grower Relations, Quality, and ERM, which is Enterprise Risk Management. I oversee the quality uh, department, the laboratory, all of our certifications, Grow Relations, our Green Chief Program, and our new adventure into enterprise risk management. So I've been here uh, 20 years. I started right out of college as a lab technician. My 22nd harvest, so I'm really happy. So you do everything. I do. Okay. <laughs> just they, to clarify. Just they also clarify. call me the chief cat herder because I have to keep the oh, growers. Yeah. <laughs> I have to keep the growers moving in the same way, which can be hard. All right. I'm Pat Jensen, director of R&D. Uh, basically, we have three components of the R&D program. One's a sensory. Another's a actually brewing. So you have to test products if you're making new products or new varieties. And third is analytics. Uh, basically a little more different than QC lab analytics. We dig really deep down into hop aromatics for most part and even hop diastase activity. And I've been in the hop industry for 18 years. 
Uh, Missy was my very first boss. <laughs> I, yes. And then I trolled around the industry a bit in other venues, and I came back, and now I report to Carl. So. <laughs> Thanks, Pat. <laughs> uh, with that, um, I'm Carl Van Evenhoven. I've been with the company 24 years, so my career is the only one with a legal drinking age. And uh, but uh, yeah, so as as it sits today, I'm the chief operations officer, so managing uh, production, R&D, engineering, capital projects. Um, just got back from a three-year stint over in Belgium to build our uh, European headquarters. So American hops are growing popularity in Europe. So we had a, needed to have a bigger place to house them all. Wow. So, uh, yeah. So anyway, uh, thanks for having us here today and doing this podcast. Thank you for joining us. I mean, so this is the 18th. Yeah. 18th. It's my first, so I'm <laughs> very excited. Um, can you tell us a little bit about Hop and Brew School, how it got started? Yeah, I can start with that since we're sitting in the, the original game room of Hop Union. It's a good place to do this. Um, yeah, it started in 2004. Um, and basically, it, it was an opportunity to, to provide education. And, you know, one of our missions at Yakima Chief is to connect family farms with the world's finest brewers. So this is a huge opportunity to do that. And, and somebody pointed out yesterday, it's like, not only are we making that connection with the brewers uh, and, and, and us and the growers, but also there's just tons of uh, brewer collaborations that come out of this, yeah. too, because they're all meeting each other, rubbing elbows, having a beer. And so it's just a huge opportunity to gather. Thank goodness we can do that again these days. Um, um, and yeah, just a lot of things to learn and, and just, yeah, it's, it's such a collaborative industry. That's why we've all been in it so long. Yeah, absolutely. That's why we're here too. Yeah, I'll tell you, we just uh, got off the bus from, yes. uh, from out at uh, Loftus and Carpenter Ranches and just good people, you know, it's the, and a lot of those, these family generational farms, they've been around a long, long time and still have family you know, working and hell, Carpenters, we probably met mm -hmm. six or seven of the family members. So that <laughs> no, was really, really cool. Um, so let's just jump into your presentation that uh, y'all will be doing a little bit later on this afternoon. So what are, what are some of the most common hop myths? That require busting. That require busting? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll throw one out there. Uh, Pat and Missy can uh, kind of dig in on, on some of the technical side of it. But uh, there's a myth out there that aged hops aren't good. So we're, we're harvesting the 22 crop right now, and everybody wants 22 crop, and 21's already in, in some brewer's rear room here. And uh, that's a, a myth that we'd like to bust today. Yes, that's true. Yes, please do. Yes, yes. Because, you know, there, I think there's wonderful hops out there in, in, at Country Mall Group. I'm sure up here at YCA is wonderful hops that, that are a little bit older. And it, it seems that brewers tend to just shy away. And I don't have any idea why. Yeah, and actually, I should probably provide a definition first. So there's aged hops, which, of course, okay. are, are required and necessary for making, you know, traditional beers like a Goose and Lambics. Uh, but when we're talking about aged hops in this myth is packaged hops. Hops okay. have been Treated well, packaged well, stored cold. We have a three-year shelf life on those for a reason, because these geniuses to my left here have done all the analytics and look at it. So with, with that, I'll turn it over on the technical side of a good Type 90 or cryo hop pellet that's two years old in a sealed foil pouch. Yes. <laughs> so let's start at the beginning. So as Carl said, we do a excellent job of pelleting quality hops. So when they come in a harvest, um, it's not a first in, first out with hops. It's we pellet the variety that stores the worst first, so it's stable once it gets in that package. That's worst in. Worst in. Yes, <laughs> worst out. Thank you, Pat. <laughs> worst in, first out. 
So what we're trying to protect there is the oil, the alpha, want to keep it low HSI. Um, so we're very deliberate about our pelleting schedule. We make sure that we preserve the quality. All the packaging are um, under 2% oxygen, so there's no oxygen to degrade the hops. And that foil that it stays in is, is really solid for three to four years, five years. We've seen, um, yeah, even after you know three years, the best before date is three years, but even when you go back and test it, the HSI hasn't gone up a lot, the alpha's still there, oils are still there, aromas, aromas on par, so still can make a really good beer. Yep. And I think you can find some pretty decent discounts, if we're honest here, on some older crop that's been stored well, right? So, yeah, especially in, in these times where, you know, it's everything's a little higher cost, so it's important to look at. Yeah, for sure. Well, Carl, you just said that there was a, what is it, silver medal winner at the World Beer Cup? Yeah, yeah. So, um, I, I'm a 5% owner in Bridal Beer Company, and um, uh, just so happens we have another Yakima Chief employee that uh, is part owner as well, and he works in our planning department. So he has a keen eye for, you know, what he likes and in, in hops, and he also has a keen eye for uh, some discounts. <laughs> so, uh, um, yeah, we uh, had a beer called uh, Sup Cuz, and uh, I took silver medal at GABF, and it was 86% old crop hops. Oh wow! Um, and when I say old crop, they were two to three years old, even a couple of them were four years old. Congratulations. That's a great name, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> and you could probably add the fact that it's an agricultural product. So even some crop years just kind of would still be outperforming maybe a current crop year. It just had a better year in that, in that variety, and that could happen at times. Yeah. Right. Well, leading into the next thing, too, we're talking about the longevity of, of hops stored well, is this, this hop storage index. And uh, went a little bit in detail yesterday in, in one of the presentations, but let's, let's talk about HSI. Okay. <laughs> I guess I'll do that. It's all on you. <laughs> all right. Oh. If I get into this, I could go into this for yeah, hours. Yeah. So yeah. Pat, Pat we'll gets, start off with the bridge version. <laughs> He'll throw up some structures and some charts yeah. for you. So. Uh, so hop storage index is a measure that was developed in the 70s to measure how... 79, thank you. <laughs> so it's not quite as old as I am. Uh, to really measure how oxidized the hops are. So at harvest, uh, we look for an HSI. Historically, 0.25 has been, you know, that's a really good HSI. We see lower now because the growers have invested so much in their facilities that um, the cooling room and how they cool it and it's able to age, I mean, to, to, um, to yeah, just on that cooling floor room floor, homogenized really well, conditioned perfectly. So we see HSIs down 2.4, 2.25. So that really increases the storage ability as well, that really front end quality handling, protecting the hops from the farm. And then when we get them in and test them, you know, they're good, they're on par. After pelleting, the HSIs are still really good. Um, the HSI, as as it increases, uh, the alpha goes down, and then the, we also lose out oils. So if a hop gets beat up in the kiln and it comes in with a higher HSI, we know that it's not going to store as well. So that gets you know immediately processed and and taken care of. One thing I would add, it really works well with 
uh, at harvest time with belled hops. That's basically what it was designed for. And so if you if you leave it in that spectrum, it works really well. Like I said, I could talk for hours on this because how it was derived, where it came from. You know, I've read like every paper on this type of material, so it can get complicated, but Bell stored hops, it really works well. And with incoming hops, making a judgment call on how the hops are being received, it really works well. And one thing I can add on the operations side, I can't make HSI go down. I can only work to prevent it from going up, and the team works really hard. And we spend a little extra money on the way we process hops. Even in type 90 processing, we use liquid nitrogen to cool the dye and to cool the hops in the process. Uh, because that, that pelleting, that's the moment where uh, you're seeing the, the biggest temperature increase. So uh, we have specs uh, that are the lowest in the industry. Uh, we're less 104 degrees or less in our, in our pelleting plants, and a lot of our competition is like 120, 125 degrees. So uh, like I said, we can't do anything to make it go down, but we can take a lot of steps to keep it from going up. So uh, with type 90 processing, we can't improve quality. We can only maintain it. And so that cold supply chain throughout and then working to minimize heat and oxygen has just been a, a, a something we've been uh, part of our values and how we process hops. Yeah, Steve Carpenter, who just recently retired, his one of his favorite taglines is, you know, the growers make the quality. Our job is to not mess it up. <laughs> That's a good one. Good use of words, not mess it up. <laughs> PG, Carl. PG. <laughs> it's, it's hard for me. <laughs> well, the other thing is, too, at YCH, the, the expectation of incoming inbound quality of these bales from, from your growers, right? Like, the expectation is everybody, you know, has, the, you know, those SOPs and the expectations of, of what y'all are looking for to be able to pellet and, and get out. To, to customers, but you know, coming from some of these farms we just visited, it's amazing how quickly it comes off, you know, out of the field, you know, into into processing, you know, and then into the uh, into the uh, uh, the actual bale and into storage immediately. So I imagine that's that's something that also helps at the end of the day as far as your your, your storage and longevity, just the way they handle uh, before it gets here in, y- in y'all's hands, right? Yeah, thanks for bringing that up, Toby. Uh, and Missy, as our uh, manager of Green Chief, uh, she can definitely expand on that. Because, yeah, we, like I said, we can't improve the quality, but Missy can improve the quality on the farm working with the growers, right? <laughs> yes, that's you right. You get beat up. I know. Like, yeah. Yeah, yeah. We can say she does everything. Yes. <laughs> she does. Uh, yes, so through our Green Chief program, uh, we provide the growers uh, feedback every year on their uh, Green Chief reports is what it's called, and then we actually have awards that go along with that. Uh, so they get a full report of where they land on their HSI, their alpha, their bring values, selection-wise. Uh, sensory is a big part of that. So they can really see where they need to improve. Maybe they you know, harvested something a little too early, a little too late. So it's very visible to them. And they actually see that as harvest is going along. So we have the grower portal. They have instant information from the lab, from sensory, from selection. Whatever that brewer is saying about their lot that day, they see it you know, that afternoon, that evening. So it's a really powerful tool for them. Uh, we do a lot of work with our Green Chief program on their facility assessments, making everything, making sure everything is food safe and the quality is good at the facility. They're not beating up the hops. Um, a lot of risk assessments, food safety things that we've added uh, over the years. 
and a lot of growers are global gap now, which yeah, is which is really good. I was just gonna say, yeah, yeah it's, it's it's not like we're sitting there being the watchdog telling them what to do. They're taking that quality responsibility in their yeah. own hands too. So it makes our job a lot easier. Yeah, and something about hop growers are very competitive. They want to know where where everybody else is. Did I are my hops the best or not? So on the tight knit community, yes. I'm sure everyone is uh, kind of very close to each other. So they're they're yeah. looking at what everyone else is doing. Yeah. So a big discussion every year is you know my cascade oil was this. Well, mine was higher. <laughs> yeah, it's not about amount, it's about content. <laughs> yeah, and Missy also manages our quality help desk. So if uh, there's customer complaints, we want that feedback, and then they do a root cause analysis on that. And uh, you know, it, it could be at the farm, it could be in, in processing, uh, it could be a number of things. But we're always looking to uh, get that feedback because that's part of just continuous improvement, which is you know another one of our values because we we want the best quality ops, and we're pretty confident we're achieving that. It's been really crazy this week, just like seeing how everything goes down here. It's like, again, like I said, it's my first time. You've never been to Hop and Brew School before, and you're a brewer. Yeah. Your yeah, background is brewing, so first time, how, yeah. how shocking has everything been for you? It's It's been really cool to get to see the background of how much work goes into everything. And I mean, you know, we're in the mecca of hop country right now. This is where it all happens. And it's cool to see so many brewers from all over the world who are coming to see, you know, all the hard work that goes into what YCH does. It's been fantastic. <laughs> All right, so I've been called a creep a few times, uh, but uh, let's go into the hop creep because I hear that all the time. Let's talk about like what it is and kind of the, the myths or otherwise around hop creep. All right, well, probably the best definition is uh, hop creep is uh, the re-fermentation that is experienced when you dose uh, hops post-fermentation, and they will the enzymes in the hops will break down the unfermentable sugars and make them fermentable. And then you have yeast that is still present at this time, so then you get alcohol. Uh, that's basically the baseline for it. Uh, is it a, a shocker that something like a plant material would have enzymes in it that could break fermentable, unfermentable sugars down? No, they've known that since 1893 when the first paper was written actually about hop creep. They didn't call it that at the time, they just called it like secondary fermentation. Yeah, and then the outcome of that secondary fermentation is the production of VDK. Um, and then with the brewer maybe not understanding that or not maturing the beer additional time, then you can get formation of diacetyl. Everybody's least favorite. <laughs> My absolute least favorite off flavor, diacetyl. Now, from there, we've actually created a method that we kind of can look at the hops as they come in. We don't do this on every hop lot. It's almost impossible for us to do this, uh, but we do have a method that we created that looks at, we incubate the hops and it starts solution so we can see how they react with starch to see how fast they can break down those infermental sugars to kind of give people an idea of, some, and what we've gotten is an idea of what varieties contain a lot of this and which ones don't. Plus we found out that seeds are one of the worst contributing factors, so lots with high seed content will just definitely have high diastase activity. And we usually don't like a lot of seed content. That's already a quality parameter. Yeah, so. we, we work hard to eliminate that. Well, I should say the growers and the interns at uh, Yakuin Chief Ranches yes. work hard on that. Yeah, yeah. We do. We have a whole army of uh, YCR interns that go out in the fields and just rogue and rogue and try to get rid of all those male plants. So we don't have seed in the fields. So it's a big effort. It's unbelievable the amount of research and development that is happening up here. 
I mean, I, I think brewers that attend Hop and Brew School will, will get a really good glance of what's going on. Because as, yeah, as Cheyenne mentioned, just like, you know, a lot of people don't realize it until they get here. And the staff that you have uh, here, that, that the work that goes behind just making sure that the brewers get quality product, the best product in the world. Uh, by using the stuff here, so th- thank you, and everything you said, Pat, just went over my head, but we, yeah, it's okay. Nobody ever understands we, what I say. <laughs> I'm going to Google it later. It's going to yeah. be fine. <laughs> yeah, and, and, and Pat's been... Uh, That's why my annual reviews are pretty short. <laughs> You're doing a good job. Oh. Keep it up. It's happening right now, Pat. <laughs> um, no, but Pat's been, uh, you know, real helpful in uh, how do we mitigate hop creep, and, uh, you know, cryo hops are one method of doing that because they have less of the uh, enzymatic properties in the, the full T90 because it's it's more in the Bract fraction, right, Pat? Yeah, Bracton plus, if you did have some of those remaining seeds, you remove that during the cryo yep. process yeah. as well. So it's just kind of a double win when you go cryo. So um, I, I, I can throw out a, a, a couple myths that cryo has busted. Please. Please do. Um, so, and we were developing uh, the technology, you know, like I said, quality's always been number one, and our experience with liquid nitrogen has uh, uh, been a game changer for us. So we wanted to figure out what's the best way we can produce the best quality hop pellet. And so back to the enemies of hops, oxygen and heat. So we're like, how do we do that throughout the entire process? Um, so we, we developed a cold chain throughout the entire pelleting process and then added separation technology because when you're super cold and will be minus 50 or less um, you can then freeze that lupulin gland and then you can separate it from the BRAC fraction so not only do you have a, a, a perfectly processed hop with no oxygen and no heat but you're also doing it um, uh, uh, you can concentrate it, um, which has advantages like like hop creep. Also has the advantages of half the packaging, half the shipping, half the cold storage. So it's it's a product we've been super excited about. But as we developed it and started uh, getting information out there in the press, we had some naysayers in in the industry, and there were some myths that you can't pellet anything over 20% alpha. So when we started pelleting 25, 30% alpha we were told that's not possible. We pellet at 125 degrees, and you can't do that. And I'm like, well, we pellet at room temperature. Um, so there, there's two myths there that uh, were busted that, uh, yeah, you can't pellet over 20% alpha, and uh, you can't pellet at room temperature. So that's the difference, and uh, we, we also have a patent to support that. Okay, uh, I'm, I'm bouncing around here, Carl, sorry, but. <clears throat> And maybe this one just came from me. It could be just you. It probably is. Oh, no, I think that was Grant. Okay, so... Grant, who's not here, he's also on our podcast team. (laughs) I think I know the answer to this, but but I'll I'll ask anyways and get the experts here to respond. Mm -hmm. What is the relationship to the hop plant and the cannabis plant? Because... I've heard there is some relation to the two in some form or fashion, and I've even heard people go as far as say, well, IPA is that it's a different buzz because, you know, part of the the hop or the bitterness is, is you know, in, in similarity to, to cannabis and the effect that, you know, that has on the body. Well, yes? No? Am I no. way off? No! <laughs> Damn! Yeah. They're not Sorry. Related? 
they are related. Yeah. They kind of some half I, right. I can't, I can't remember all my you know kingdom phylum, all that <laughs> genre from for uh, plant kingdoms. Sorry, but they are in like the same family. But if you like were to Google it, like cannabis, I think that's how you say it, you'd find there's several more plants besides cannabis or cumulus lupulus, which you'd find in that, or the hops. Uh, I think hackberries fall in that same family, essentially. Uh, but as far as like both of them do have trichomes and they grow like a gland. Uh, tr- and just one grows, uh, has the enzymes to make the cannabis, or what we know as marijuana, THC. Uh, our humulus lupulus is more alpha beta driven, uh, so we got humulone and lupulone. So those ones aren't psychoactive. They're great for bitterness, they can make you sleepy. There are some other in the nutraceutical world that they look at. Uh, plus there's other components in the hop that actually are health beneficial outside of just bittering or, and both have the terpenes of course. Mm-hmm. So you always hear dank and usually when people refer to dank, they're trying to go after that marijuana like yeah. smell. Mm-hmm. They're trying to get it from hops at times. And so they'll have similar terpenes. Uh, I guess that's the best way to put it. They both have, sometimes they both have the thiols, and sometimes one will come off as more skunky. Obviously in the marijuana, that's usually why most people will say something like uh, Corona might smell like green bud, because it's <laughs> skunky, but that's, but that's from a reaction from skunky, and from a uh, reaction with light, with iso-alpha acids, and a thiol group, and we form this uh, compound called 3-MBT. Uh, it's not really called that. That's the abbreviation. It's three methyl butyl. That was good. <laughs> yeah. Pastor evaluation, Pat. Yeah. Yes, yes. Yeah. Pat, I, I think you were presenting yesterday, right? And yes. There, yes, there yes. was there was a lot of those that I had yeah. no idea what you were talking about. Yeah. But it, 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 yeah, you did it very well. Uh, I know on the on the presentation there was one structure that was wrong, and I thought we thought it was funny because I just caught it the day before that presentation, and it was still wrong. We didn't correct it for some reason. But anyway, they've been giving that presentation for a year. Nobody's ever said that's because no one that, knows that, that, that talk was wrong. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So like half of that myth was busted. Yeah. So so the second half is uh, maybe I'm just drinking too many IPAs, <laughs> right? Like that I'm, uh, you know. Yeah. But Pat just said that hops have health benefits so i feel like we're being healthy like we should drink more we should probably drink more ipas (laughs) that's what they were saying about wine for a long time too right like wine's beneficial but not when you drink like six of them right six glasses or six bottles when you get six they all taste the same that's true (laughs) so none of them taste bad yeah so you just keep drinking the rest of the night you say the same thing about coffee right drink six of them and get real jittery and anyhow Okay. Um, That's when you chase it with a beer. <laughs> Upper and a downer, I guess. <laughs> so I got a I got a text actually come uh, coming back from uh, from Loftus from Tim Burke, one of our sales guys. Been around a long time. He was asking if there's uh, any information on a crop update, um, specifically around what's going on up here, um, and how how's harvest looking? Because in his specific question was, is there any smokiness? You know, fires. We, yeah. We've experienced those in the past or whatnot, but uh, it, it's everything I've heard and been out, you know, out in the fire. Everything looks great. So, yeah. So, knock on wood. Very Ooh. loud light. <laughs> I just broke a fist on there. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so far, there's, you know, it's a little, little hazy today, but definitely not, not smoke smoking. like we've seen before. 
we still have a month to go. So let's yeah, let's keep knocking on that wood Everybody. and yeah, Fing- hoping fingers for, crossed. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> fingers crossed, toes crossed. Mm-hmm. But everything that's been coming in so far. Yeah. So so far, uh, quality is pretty good. Um, we're expecting maybe an average average crop. Uh, Idaho and Oregon are looking pretty good. Um, Washington, you know, we're just starting. We're really, I've only really received a lot of hops in the last two days, so it's still really early. Uh, so far, things look really good. So, I mean, they look good to us, but I'm not an expert. So. <laughs> but I look really good out there today. They they smelled great too, so okay, that's okay. how I judge it. <laughs> that's they how did. we all judge it. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, we got the opportunity to go and see some of the experimentals too, and we got to see the five eight six and the six thirty mm-hmm. today. Can you tell us a little bit more about those? I know they've popped into some um, the veterans well, blends and the pink boots last year. The pink boots blend had them in there as well. Anything you can tell us about those hops a little bit, Carl? Do you Carl? know more? Uh, well, I'll, I don't know I'll off the top of my head. Boots thing uh, because <laughs> Wednesday I was down at Bridal and they were brewing a Pink Boots beer and uh, fresh Simcoe came in and we actually had a chipper shredder that the girls were all throwing the, the wet hops through <laughs> and just to sprinkle in because if you throw too many in the mash tun uh, uh, for you know using as a hop back uh, it'll plug things up mm-hmm. but a little extra exposure on all the freshies in there and it, the whole brewery smelled amazing. It was pretty cool but uh, yeah we had a bunch of these scholarship winners and to brew the beer so it was a super good vibe going there and and uh had people in from all around the u.s and canada so it was pretty cool oh that was the canadians in (laughs) (laughs) i'd add about 586 uh yesterday in our presentation 586 actually had a lot of survivable components and it really scores high in ester categories uh so you're expecting like a lot of fruit coming off this hop uh and if you know anything about me, if you have an ester, they always end in eight because they taste great. <laughs> Can you go through all of the things that you said yesterday during that presentation? If it ends in e. Yeah. So. Yeah. Everybody. Yeah. She's getting it. So we got it. Right. Yeah. So terpenes, like you know, those are the most prevalent in uh, hops. So, and everybody always gets caught up about the terpene profile and. Generally, you always just get in these conversations about what's soluble, what's not. So I just tried to end it by just coming up with one-liners. Like, if it ends in ean, it doesn't make the scene. Don't worry about it too much. You're probably not going to be in your final beer. Uh, the other one was, if it ends in eight, it probably tastes great because all the, the all esters <laughs> usually end in eight, and they're generally fruity. Uh, Last one is alcohol, so monoterpene alcohols, they always end in all, and if you ends in all, you just might get it all. And you can even say that about polyfunctional thiols, because they end in all. You could probably get all those, too. <laughs> Thanks for boiling down the language. <laughs> that, right? Wow, that's awesome. <laughs> the only one I know, and I can't really remember, so it's not doing me much good, is something about oysters. Like certain months that end in something, you can't eat oysters or should not eat them. Because they're spawning. I don't know. Does anyone here remember? I don't don't remember. I've never heard of this. No one eats oysters here? I do. I live on an ocean, though. (laughs) Yeah, they're they're fresh. No, I I appreciate you bringing up 586 and all all of the the development. uh, And and we got the, the chance to go on the experimental side of things today, just a portion of it. And really got to sit and kind of explore and smell um, the aromas of some of these experimentals. But one thing um, 
uh, Mike pointed out too is like 586. The cone uh, is is tight, you know, and there's uh, it's a really uh, structured cone that makes it easier in the processing. So, not only that, but uh, from what he has said, it, it produces a larger quantity of cone. So the return for the grower on you know some of these uh, newer uh, varieties they're coming off uh, up with are a benefit to everybody, um, including the growers as far as like volume, right? Yeah, from a sustainability standpoint, too. I mean, the more yield you can get per acre, the better, because we're not making more land. So, um, but Yakima Chief Ranches, they look they look at a lot of things. And, you know, they're doing like 50,000 crosses a year, and that's a lot of hops to evaluate. So the first couple of years are just kind of a fail-fast thing. Uh, is it a vigorous enough plant to even, you know, bother looking at? So that, that's number one. It has to have agronomic properties. It has to be able to produce a yield, or otherwise it's not sustainable from a, from a profitability standpoint. Um, but then, you know, disease resistance, drought resistance, those are big things that uh, we look for. So all those things are looked at before we even get into the sensory and analytical part. So I, and pickability is one, too. You were talking about the tight cone structure. Yeah. So if it, it might be a, everything's great about it, but it's this big fluffy thing, and it doesn't roll down the dribble belts, and you can't pick it, and it just it's not harvestable. So Right. Yeah, and we got a chance to walk through um, all the work and development they're doing specifically on the virus-free mm-hmm. planting, right? So... I mean, that's, that's even better, right? I mean, you, you produce a, a virus-free plant and provide that to some of your growers as well. It gives them a, a head start and, and more productive on-site, correct? Correct, yes. Yeah, so uh, there's a big effort going on to replace some of our current acreage with virus-free. So it's, it gives us a better yield, stronger plant, more robust. Again, trying less to chemicals burn. on the field. Not less to chemicals. Oh yes, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah trying to increase grass. that yield per acreage so we can, you know, protect the land and have enough. Yeah, fantastic. I want to throw it over to Cheyenne because she she is a brewer by trade, and I know she's all uh, hopped up right now. No pun intended, but yeah, uh, yeah. So so, what do you think about your first time out here for for other brewers um, that have not had the chance to to experience what the hospitality, not only that, the YCH provides to a couple hundred people here, right? But yeah. just to what you're seeing um, out here at uh, Hoppin Brew School for the 18th year. Yeah, definitely. So, um, you know, my first impression, obviously, the, the seminars, the knowledge that's shared is so important. And I think that brewers who are so passionate about what they do and what they're creating, they want that knowledge. And so any chance that they get the time to co-learn is awesome. But like you were saying, Carl, the, the chance to network with people and, and do uh, collaborations and meet other brewers and share knowledge that way is invaluable. And so having so many people, I mean, how many attendees do we have? 200? Yeah. A couple hundred. And they're all, you know, so heavily involved in the brewing industry. So getting to collaborate and chat and network is the most invaluable part of this experience, in my opinion, you know, and I, I enjoy seeing it a lot. How'd you enjoy seeing the facilities and the farms as well? I love it. I've seen it a handful of times. So when I was brewing, I had got to come for, you know, harvest and for um, fresh hop. And I, the, the growers and the farmers here are so kind and they always offer a tour anytime I'm here. So it's the, I've seen it a couple of times and every single time it never fails to amaze, you know, what, what the work that goes into it and just the innovation, how cool it is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
I think they offered, they said we could bring our families down if we want to do some tours on their facilities today, like any time. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah, I think Heather mentioned that she wanted to move down here. You literally said, oh, I just want to move down here. doing so many cool things on those farms. But I think you followed just, up with it's too cold. Yeah, I don't think I said it was too cold here today. Now, Cheyenne, you said fresh hops. So did that mean you've been out to farms to pick fresh hops or have you been to the Fresh Hop Festival or both? Both, yes, oh, nice. both. So I brewed previously in my, my career. I brewed for about six and a half years. And the fun thing about this time of year with the harvest, as, as you know, is, you know, for brewers, there's an agreement, okay, we're going to do this this fresh hop, we're going to do this variety, we're super excited. And then you kind of just get a call from a farmer. They're like, hey, we're harvesting today. Come on down. And luckily for, for me, I live about an hour and a half away. So we would hop in the van. We would come running down here. Someone else would fire up the brew house, and uh, we would get to come pick up all of the hops. And it was such a fun experience because you get it. it there's an energy that you can't describe. Like people are excited. This is what you guys work for all year, and so getting to have that energy and experience that is super exciting. And then, of course, getting to drink the fresh hop beers at the festival. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um, I'll, I'll touch on the festival for a second because I always have to put in a shameless plug because. Uh, I've been helping with that committee for years, but uh, it's 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 the biggest celebration. Hopefully, I always say we shouldn't be picking hops in October, so uh, it's October 8th this year. So hopefully, everybody's done picking, and it's a nice end of the end of the harvest season celebration. And you know, there's like uh, we have 70 brewers, and a lot of them bring two, three, four different fresh hops. So uh, uh, it's just the most wonderful experience getting to you know grab a hold of that many uh, fresh beers. And uh, we actually have a band playing this year called Hop Creep. So there's a oh there we go. That, that is not a myth. Oh. No, I've been to the best ones. It's awesome. But I, I, it, it, I, you know, I don't know if we touched on it earlier, but the, the fresh hops are awesome for those that are within a decent vicinity to come out here and, and work with, you know, y'all or a grower to, to, to bring some home. But y'all have developed a process for, you know, getting... Frozen, frozen fresh hops out to breweries like in Florida and all. What so? What have y'all been working on? How can others experience "quote unquote" the the fresh hop that are not readily, you know, don't have readily access out here close to Pacific Northwest? Yeah, as amazing as fresh hop beers are, the the process for the grower, for Yakima Chief, and for the brewer, it's it's a pain. Um, but it's worth it because the beer is so good. But, I mean, is it even profitable for any of us? Probably not. Um, but it's worth it because it's so good. So we were kind of looking at, okay, and it's seasonal, of course. You, you have to do it when it's picked in September. So we looked at uh, some freezing technology. So we worked with one grower and froze the hops on the farm. And we said, okay, now we can distribute it at any point in the year. And we got really good feedback from that. But it has to be frozen. So that frozen supply chain, talk about not being profitable, it, 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 it's not. Right. Uh, but it was a novel idea. It was really cool. So then we thought a little more about it. And uh, the team came up with the idea of like, well, let's run it through cryo. Um, oh, really? Using wet hops in the brewing process is, is really difficult. Most can't put it in, in the kettle and most can't put it in the fermenter. So the, the easy way to do it is to put it in, in the mash tun and, and use it as a hop back. And you get some really nice qualities with that, but what if you could use it in the fermenter? So what we've done is we've taken those frozen fresh hops, run them through cryo, and made them into a pellet. And now they're frozen and now they're easier to handle. It's not so bulky and then you can use it anywhere in the brewing process. So it's, it's a new product that we developed and uh, it's the beers are super good and you can make a fresh hot beer at any point in the season. So it's, it's exciting. Nice. And if you're looking for it, it's called Trial 301. 
Yeah, you all are laughing, but you're serious. <laughs> okay. Well, yeah, I can't tell. It doesn't can have tell? a name. We call it Trial 301. <laughs> yeah. This is what happens when you let R&D do marketing. Uh, <laughs> a lot of numbers. Yeah. A lot of numbers. Uh, yeah. Seriously, though, uh, we, it's not a fully released product. It's in this trial phase. It's, it's in this innovation phase. And it's, you know, it, is it worth doing? Uh, the quality side says yes, but is it profitable? Um, you know, we have to scale it up and look at things. So we, we, get, we put them in this trial status and give them a, a number assigned to it so we have a number of different products in in the trial stage and uh, all that's uh, you know coming out of Pat's uh, uh, R&D team amazing well, I just want to thank uh, Pat Jensen, Missy Raver, and Carl Van Evenhoven for joining us. I know, hopefully, we haven't kept y'all from being late from your presentations, but I really appreciate y'all coming on. And, and, and overall, for not only y'all, but YCH, really appreciate the hospitality. Y'all are wonderful folks um, from top down, and we've really enjoyed ourselves. And for those listeners who have not had the opportunity to come out here, put on your schedule for next year. Do it. Yep. All right. We'll talk to everybody soon. We're going to get back to uh, the sessions. Cheers. Thanks. All right. Thank Cheers. you. Thanks again to our guest and YCH for hosting uh, Hop and Brew School and having us. It's been uh, been great so far. Uh, and at Country Mall Group, we're very proud to partner with Yakima Chief Hops to offer hop contracting and spot hops. And uh, right now we got some really fantastic deal on some older crops. So uh, give us a shout. Plus, did you know when you order from Country Malt that uh, your hops ride free? That's right. If you're uh, if you're shipping by the pallet. You can always uh, add spot hops to your order or contract hops for that matter without uh, some additional freight charges throw right on top. So contact us to learn a little bit more about uh, about what we offer there and and find out how you can uh, utilize that extra space on top of your pallet. So thanks again for joining us here in Yakima. We'll be back in two weeks for part two of our live at Hop and Brew School recordings. And uh, be sure to subscribe to the Brewdeck podcast so whenever uh, you want an episode, you'll never miss it. Cheers. Bye.